Back in May, we began a new series of studies on Sunday mornings in the Old Testament book of Genesis, and we've been focusing on Abraham trusting God. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, can you turn to Genesis chapter 17, please, as we read together the first 17 verses. God had first called Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, and as we have walked with Abraham through these four and now five chapters, we have seen God engage with Abraham at extraordinary levels. And Abraham would tell you if he was here this morning that he was the recipient, and wonderfully so, of the grace of God in his life. And when we come into chapter 17, a significant change is about to take place for both Abraham and his wife, Sarai. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations, and no longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now, an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Today is, of course, Father's Day. And all week long, I have been thinking of something wonderfully insightful and witty and humorous that you would enjoy And so I typed it out. I used it on the screen at 8.30, and no one laughed. 
not even smiled. And I thought, well, 8.30 is a little sleepy. I didn't introduce it properly. I didn't explain it. I just surprised them. And then at 10.45 downstairs, same response, nothing. And so I'm forgetting about it, but I have to flick through it so you're not even going to see it. But there it was. It was just stunningly wonderful and funny. But there we are. Now, aside from all my silliness, let me begin with a question. And it's this. How much easier would life be if when God breaks into our lives, sheds his grace upon us, transforming us heart and mind and soul, and giving us an appetite for his presence, creating within us an innate desire for prayer and worship and intimacy with him. And if at that same point he made us perfect people, wouldn't that be something? And yet God does not do that. He breaks into our lives. He draws us into a relationship with himself. He forgives our sins. He cleanses us. He gives us new appetites and new desires. But he does not make us perfect. And what we discover, of course, that is this, that life's experience confirms what Scripture teaches. That although we belong to him, and have a relationship with him. And he loves us with an everlasting love. In fact, he loves us on the basis of his covenant promise, which we're about to explore. And he will never give up on us, never walk away from us. He will persevere with us because he knows this, that as Christian people, we will live real lives in a real world, and at times we'll go through periods of great joy and blessing. There will be moments when he answers our prayers almost instantly, and so often we're going through a season of great joy. But there will be other times in our lives, seasons when God does not answer our prayers as quickly as we would want him to. There will be times when circumstance and situations overwhelm us. There will be seasons when we'll turn our back on him and we'll find ourselves sinning and wandering from him only to be drawn back by his love. We are real people living real lives, enjoying real blessings, but also facing difficult and tough days. And as we get into chapter 17, please remember Abraham, Sarah, real people struggling with real issues, wrestling with real disappointments. Over the last five chapters, as we have journeyed with Abraham, it would be so easy for us to be caught up in the thought that Abraham is a model of faithful obedience, 
uninhibited trust and faith. He's the kind of individual you admire and would long to be. Except, there have been several Sundays in recent weeks as we have looked at and focused on Abraham, the opposite was the case. And in fact, in chapter 16, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago now, you will remember, in fact, that things did not go well for Abraham and Sarah. God had promised them many years earlier that he would give to them a son. But for Sarah and Abraham, God was not working quickly enough. In fact, Sarai, as she was then, talked Abraham into taking a second wife. And I'm sure you remember when he took Hagar, who was a young servant girl in their home, as his second wife. Hagar then was expecting a child, gave birth to a son, and the whole episode ended in utter disaster. And Abraham, rather than standing strong for the purposes and principles of God, gave in to apathy and indifference and simply went along with Sarai because it was the easiest thing to do. And notice how chapter 16 ends and how 17 begins. And 16 ends with verse 15, So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Now here's my second question. Why does it end that way? Why doesn't chapter 16 simply finish, So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born, period. Why add Abraham's age? What was the significance? Old Testament scholars tell us there are several reasons, but one of the reasons is this. Compare the closing words of 16 with the opening words of 17. End of 16, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. And then 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. For 13 years, Abraham does not hear from God. In chapter 12, God appeared to him in a spectacular fashion. And several times since... And Abraham, if he was here this morning, would tell you that he was the recipient of God's undiluted love and grace. And those were spectacular days, days of great blessing, of intimacy with God, of walking close with him, of sensing his presence and his leading and guiding. And then for 13 years, nothing. I suspect God was giving them time to think, time to reflect, time to understand the enormity of what had taken place when they sought quite intentionally to tell God how to work out his purpose and will. And then chapter 17 opens in spectacular fashion. Abraham was 99 years old 
the Lord appeared to him. And here was God appearing to him once more. And Abraham learned that despite his sin, in spite of all his plotting and planning and scheming, that God is utterly faithful and will not give up on us. He will not. He adamantly refuses to abandon us to our own sin or the emotion of the moment. He will not. And if you have wandered from him in recent months, this may be God's word for you this morning that he loves you. Despite your sin, despite your desires, he is deeply in love with his children and will never surrender us to the vagaries of our sin. I imagine that was the first thing that went through Abraham's mind. He had been given time to pause and time to reflect and time to process. And please hear this. God is never in a hurry. And holiness and maturity are never instant. Never. Because he uses circumstance and situations and disappointments and griefs to shape and fashion real people living real lives that we might be more Christ-like. That's what's going on. And notice what God says. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Why does God say that? Why does he spell it out? Why does he go into that kind of detail? Was he fearful that Abraham would have forgotten? Of course not. And it's the first time in all of Scripture these words are recorded. El Shaddai in Hebrew. I am the sovereign one. I am the source of all and every blessing. I am God Almighty. And here is Abraham. No wonder, no wonder he's falling face down. Because he has the experience which I think some of us have tasted just a little of when we have come back to him and sought his forgiveness and asked him to cleanse us again and renew us and refresh us and we have that overwhelming sense of his presence and with that presence comes deep profound conviction into those hidden recesses of the heart and mind and soul. And with conviction comes profound repentance. But in the midst of repentance comes joy. He loves me. He 
cares for me. He has not abandoned me. Have you ever had such an experience? Because please hear this, once you do, nothing else will satisfy again. That's what's going on here. I am God Almighty. And notice what he says. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me. He doesn't say run. Because when you sprint, it's usually temporary, thankfully. Only a short period, but at the end of it, you're, you're trying to catch your breath, get as much air into your lungs as you can. And the only thing you can do after a sprint is to sit down and try and recuperate. And here is God saying, Abraham, walk with me. One step. That's it. Then another. Abraham, I'm sure you can do this. Then another. And then another. And just keep going. Persevere. We're in this together for the long haul. Keep moving. Can you imagine walking with the Lord? Not running ahead, not lagging behind, but walking each day, getting stronger, listening to him. And God goes on and says, be blameless. Not sinless, blameless. Abraham, I need a man who's faithful. I need a man who is diligent. I need a man who will be loyal. I need character and authenticity and credibility. And Abraham, you are that man. And notice what comes next. Not only does he say, walk before me and be blameless. He says, I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And for the remainder of the chapter, God speaks to him about a covenant relationship. And a covenant relationship is basically this. And Old Testament scholars tell us that it is a strong, unbreakable, intensely personal relationship of love that involves mutual obligations. That's what a covenant is. It's not unlike being married. When couples come and stand before me here and I participate in their wedding, sometimes you will hear me say, please step forward to take your covenant vows. Vows are exchanged. And couples ask me, can we write our own vows? Sometimes I say to them, yes. But please remember that you're not simply telling us how you feel We know how you feel. That's why you're here. We've got that part. But what are you promising? What are you entering into? God says to Abraham, I will be your God. 
and I will insist on loving you and caring for you. And I will insist on being your God. And I'll watch over you. And I will answer your prayers. And I will lead and guide and direct you as a nation. And I will be there for you. And as a sign and as a token of my love, he asks them for circumcision. And of course, what does that mean? It means this, that there is a cutting away, a removal of the past, and a fresh beginning. That's what's going on here. Abraham realizes again that he is dealing with the Lord God Almighty, he who was and is and is to come. And so God takes the initiative once again, as he always does in grace. And so they move into a covenant relationship. And Abraham that day was refreshed and renewed. His character was changed. The last 13 years are now behind him. And to mark and honor the day, God changes his name. And each time you see an individual's name is changed in Scripture, it is usually a reflection of their relationship with the Lord. It sums up their character, their personality. Not only is Abraham changed, Abraham to Abraham, but Sarai becomes Sarah as well. And in the midst of all of this, Abraham is refreshed and renewed and God's blessing is not simply on himself, but his entire family. And he reiterates his promise. And we know what Abraham did not know. That in just over a year, the child would be born to Sarah. An older lady when, physically speaking, it should have been impossible. But here was God blessing her in her old age with all of the joys and the thrill and the wonder of parenthood. And things were changing for Sarah and Abraham. And so how do we wrap this up this morning? Well, we live in a day and age when society and the culture around us is a society and culture of instant gratification. If you're watching a program on television and you don't like it, you can change instantly. Give it two or three minutes, change to another. Two or three minutes, change to another. I have cable at home and I have no idea how many channels I can watch. I gave up after counting 120. I have no idea how many is on there. Some of them we never use. But I know if I don't like it, I can change it. And we're now at the stage where 140 characters on Twitter simply expresses all that we can possibly think of. I couldn't begin to be funny in 140 characters. You would say, Richard, you couldn't be funny in 25 minutes. And that may be true, 
But in a world of instant gratification, God is interested in deeper and longer and higher. He's interested in quality. He's interested in people who are Christ-like, who are courageous, who are willing to stand for him, who will say to our country and our nation, there is a better way than what we see in our news bulletins. And he loves us because he loves us because he loves us. And when you have that relationship with him, there is nothing else comes close. Was Abraham regretful for the past 13 years? Yes, he was. But God was not ready to give up on Abraham. And he's not ready to give up on us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your incredible, consistent, faithful, daily love for us. Enable us, please, in this coming week to be refreshed and renewed by you again. And may we have the self-same experience of Abraham to fall prostrate before you and to be overwhelmed by your grace. Oh, Father, touch us, please, and enable us to follow you, refresh us, and renew us, and enable us, please, to hold on to your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.